I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. World Cup here. Get your World Cup. World Cup. Who's selling World Cup? I am. It's the word of the day. Friday, November 18th, 2022. The World Cup is starting on Sunday. Who's going to Qatar? Everyone excited? There's a lot of people there drinking a lot of water. So many subjects to cover that we are going to go in a very organized way to catch you up because you've been reading, unless you're living under a rock, you've been reading about this specific World Cup for 13 years. It was only 10 years ago or 11 years ago that I got a phone call with about 10 people on the phone saying, we'd like to come visit you from Qatar We want to see how you build a stadium because we're hosting the World Cup in 2022, which seemed like an eternity away, but we've got to build about six stadiums. And so we need to learn how to do it. Can we come and meet with you and you tell us? Spent two days with the Qatarian builders and we left those meetings saying, wow, there could be a problem with these stadiums. They really had no idea. They had all the money in the world, which was great, but they just had no expertise. So they were going around the country and meeting with people who had been involved in stadiums and we were building Marlins Park at the time. And uh, they wanted to look at the budget and look to see how we did it, how many people we had working on things. It didn't occur to me back then to point out that you can have working conditions where people don't die. It didn't occur to me back then to say, hey, you know, you need housing And don't put 10 people in a house with raw sewage and no running water. I forgot to say that. And it's not that I feel guilty today. I just feel remiss today. I don't regret meeting with them, helping, trying to do the right thing. But man, do I wish that I had paid more attention to what was going to happen over the coming years. I didn't forecast it. Didn't see it coming around the corner. So after all of the weight, and there's been extra weight because the World Cup in Qatar, this is November, folks. The World Cups are during the summer. Can't play in Qatar during the summer, but you can't turn down the money 
that they are offering to FIFA. We're going to get to that later in the show when we review the documentary that I watched called FIFA Uncovered. But before we get to that, let's just mention a few of the macro issues that are facing these World Cup games. Spoiler alert, haven't even talked about the players or the countries or the games or the favorites or the betting odds or who's supposed to win, who's not supposed to win. The president of FIFA is a man named Gianni Infantino. His route to the presidency is littered with the corpse of corruption, the roadkill of disgrace. He's president of FIFA. For whatever reason, FIFA, the governing body of football, seems to believe, forget that they're above the law, forget the fact that they are uh, <laughs> above tax law, above criminal law, above basically all rules of engagement. Forget all that. What I love about them is their view that football is the necessary widget that can be used to attain world peace. That inflated sense of self-importance brings a tear to my eye. This guy, Gianni Infantino, he actually <laughs> went to a summit, right? Keep in mind that he runs a sporting organization. This is a glorified Roger Goodell, maybe at best. And he called for a ceasefire between Russia and Ukraine. He met leaders and said, listen, I have an idea. I know this sounds crazy, but during the month of the World Cup, is it possible that you guys would stop fighting because we would like your countries to watch the World Cup, engage with the World Cup, and realize that football can lead to peace. We could then, after the World Cup, instead of taking up our arms or our slingshots or our broomsticks, whatever it is you're fighting with, we can have dialogue. And that dialogue will be a first step to peace. He sounds a little like Trump to me or Kushner going down to the Middle East and saying, here's what we're going to do for peace. It's totally going to work. We're going to sign a bunch of accords. I'm going to get to do a press conference. And then I am hero. Hear me roar with peace. That's too large to ignore. Oh, wait a minute. They're still fighting. Shh. Don't tell anyone. I wonder how that's received by world leaders. It, it, just imagine for one second, Rob Manfred, commissioner of Major League Baseball. He combines with Roger Goodell and they skip to their loo right to Capitol Hill. They go inside the chambers and the Senate and the House and they say, listen, We've got some thoughts on the war in Afghanistan. We believe that what you're doing may or may not be good, but we really would prefer it not to be happening during the Super Bowl and the World Series. Therefore, what I'd like you to do is pull back, let us have these games, and then after, let us help, and we're gonna sit down with Ben Laden, we're gonna sit down with Saddam Hussein, we'll sit down with Manuel Narega or any other crazy dictator out there, and we 
are going to foment peace. Oh, it's so crazy. I love it. God, I hope it works. God, I hope it get it. I hope I get it. I think that the president of FIFA should have a few other things on his mind. As an example, one of the things the president ought certainly to be thinking about is the fact that this World Cup is taking place in a country where peace is not exactly the plat du jour. Tolerance is not exactly the nom de plume. Discrimination is the word of the day in Qatar. Fraud, washing, money laundering, sports washing, crime. Seems like good words of the day. But don't worry, no one's ever drunk there. When I was in Doha, visiting our troops, we had 24-hour security. Couldn't leave the base without people next to you with guns, just in case. And we were part of a mission, Marlins visiting the troops back in 2011. I couldn't even tell them. We had to hide the fact that I was Jewish. Just FYI. What I'd like to know when people are hosting the World Cup and when they're choosing the World Cup countries, the people who make the bid and the people who decide on who wins the bid, you understand are not a full cross-section of a community. Just because FIFA is corrupt doesn't mean that everyone in every confederation around the world is corrupt. Just because there are those in Qatar who are anti-LGBTQ, they are anti-Semitic, they are anti-everything, that obviously doesn't mean that everybody there is. But the problem is those who aren't get thrown out with the bathwater. If you actually go around to different countries, which I've had the chance to do with great luck and fortune, when people think of our country over the past several years, they put us all in one bucket. We are all part of the country that had Trump as the president, that has all the issues going on with shootings, etc. People don't distinguish and they don't want to distinguish because it's impossible to distinguish when you are being flooded with information about a country. It's very hard to remember that it's not all bad people. Believe me, the way people think about America, you're being blamed for stuff that you didn't do. I promise you that. I'm not going to blame your average run-of-the-mill Qatarian for what's happening. But the people in power, they don't even get there through voting, of course. They get there through violence and force. FIFA really did it, right? They went, they, they, they chose Qatar 
knowing there hasn't been one surprise. Let me say that. Breaking news this morning may have surprised them. And I laughed this morning. We were getting ready for the show a couple hours ago because that's what we do. We talk at night. We talk in the morning. Stuff happens overnight because our overnight is during the day in different places. So there's just things going on all the time. How else would we know? We get Twitter alerts. I think the only thing that ever happens is through a Twitter alert. And so, God, what happens if those alerts go away? We're going to have to go back to reading newspapers or going on websites of newspapers, getting news that way? Oh, no. It's terrible. Are we going to have to go back to getting press clippings sent to us? This is what's going on in the world today. So overnight, while most of you were sleeping and should have been sleeping, we're reading about the fact that beer is no longer going to be served at the World Cup. Now, let me explain why this matters. Alcohol in Qatar, this has been a source of great consternation since the beginning of 2009 when Qatar got the games. So here's how it works. FIFA owns the rights to putting on this show, this World Cup show. Countries bid to host the World Cup. Countries then have to supply housing and stadiums and infrastructure and transportation plans as part of their bid and all sorts of things in order to show that they've got the infrastructure in place to host a World Cup. Now, that's one way to do it. The second way to do it is to have no infrastructure, no stadiums, no hotels, no ability to house any guests, have no ability for any of your sponsors to activate, but you stuff Santa's sack with cash and then bing, bang, boom, you got yourself a World Cup. But then you have to get into the practical aspect of hosting. So they had to go around the country in America and learn how to build stadiums and then build stadiums. And they didn't know how to do it, which is why so many workers died. They don't care about workers' conditions because they all came from other countries, Indonesia, Malaysia, etc. All of them dropping dead by the thousands, of course, being denied by the Qatari leaders in, in power. And we haven't even gotten to the money part. The money part is that FIFA has sponsors. When you give money to FIFA, you are expecting to get something in return. And I don't mean a bribe. I don't mean a sack of cash. If you are Budweiser, you say to FIFA, hey, I want to be the official beer of the World Cup. FIFA says, great, that'll be about 75 large. Budweiser said, no problem. I'll give you $75 million for the World Cup in return I'm going to get the following signage everywhere and only Budweiser will be sold at the World Cup. And here's the number of cases and kegs we expect to move. So when I go to the board of Budweiser, I say it's great to be a sponsor of the World Cup because those fans can drink. It's about 3.2 beers per person. We're going to have attendance of a million people. Therefore, there's going to be 3 million beers sold. Here's what our profit is. Here's why this makes sense. There's math. There's exposure that you can then say that that is causing people to drink beer in different places where they're watching World Cup around the world. This is the biggest global event. Coco, what I don't know is whether it's bigger than the Olympics. I don't have a feeling for that. I feel as though the Olympics is bigger because there's more events, but the World Cup, for whatever reason, is some sort of you know, God-fearing, amazing tournament. So, in Qatar, surprise, surprise, 
ironically, they don't like alcohol and drugs. Now, they're okay with all sorts of other crimes, but alcohol and drugs, no, no. We are pious people, the people in power say. We don't drink. If you want to drink in Qatar, you have to go to like a really nice hotel, and they allow drinking like in the lobby bar or in the hotel bar. That's it. It's not like you walk the streets with a beer in your hand or you walk around looking for bars. It doesn't work that way. So FIFA came up with a plan with Budweiser, with Cutter, that said we're going to have alcohol zones in the stadiums where people can go and drink their beer. The reason why Cutter didn't want people drinking is they view it as an affront to women and to men to have to be around people who are drinking because they're such fine people. People who drink can't be good. So that was the plan that was agreed to, which is an amazing give by FIFA, like beyond amazing. But then overnight, two days before the first match, they did an abrupt about face and they said, the only drinks available now will be non-alcoholic. They are pulling beer from the World Cup. I don't think I can express to you how dramatic a decision that is because if I'm Budweiser, here's what I do. Hello, uh, uh, hi, this is the Clydesdale and I'm looking for Mr. Infantino. Yes, just out of curiosity, are you aware of this news? We have all this beer that we sent to Cutter ready to go for Sunday and now we can't sell it, we're gonna have to get it back. So not only are we paying to get it there, paying to get it back, but we're not selling it. What exactly did we give you 75 million for? Mr. Infantino, could you return the call? Nay, don't you worry, Mr. Clydesdale. We're not gonna charge you anything. This World Cup is on the house. That means FIFA's out $75 million. Ha. What do you think they're going to do? Follow the money, folks. You think FIFA's going to be down $75 million? Go out of their pockets for the purses and for the other money that they give? Negative. They're going to the head of the Qatari Football Foundation and saying, Hi, my name is Mr. Infantino, and I would like you to give me $75 million in cash in a duffel bag. I just spoke to Mattress Mac. I know exactly how to pack it. I know exactly how to transport it. And I'm going to need it because I've got to give that money back to Budweiser. Today's Friday. What about the fans who are there? I guess they'll be fine, right? Does anyone go to the World Cup expecting to drink beer? I doubt it. Nobody does that, right, Coca? Seems absurd. You go to the World Cup because you want to watch your team. You, you're totally fine with the non-alcoholic beer, which I, I guess is something. It's called non-alcoholic beer, non-alcoholic soda, water. Just don't be gay. You know, Cutters, there's something, right? They've decided that they are going to relax their policies against LGBTQ individuals for the World Cup. <laughs> I'm sorry to laugh, but how do you not laugh at that? Does the world actually think, wow, that's so grand of them 
they're going to say it's okay to be gay just for this month. Once the month is over, we'd prefer you to turn the switch back off, go back to your homes, and get back to doing what you were never supposed to be doing before. Who exactly are they fooling? Hopefully not you. I can't tell you how bad it is for LGBTQ people over in Qatar because it's a crime. You can't have same-sex marriage. You can't have same-sex relationships. You can't be caught doing stuff with the same sex because then you're going to be shackled and drawn away. I would think it would be death to their hometown, but it's not. Somehow they get away with these points of view. Somehow the, the world doesn't care. Somehow FIFA doesn't care. But don't worry. There's certain protests that are going to be happening during the course of the World Cup that will bring and raise awareness to all of the human rights issues and all of the sports washing and money laundering and all the things that are going on in Qatar because certain teams are wearing rainbow flags and other teams are covering up certain parts of the Qatarian logo because that's going to make all the difference. My cynicism on this is not saying I don't want people to try to effectuate change, but I want to understand the best ways to succeed. It starts at the top. The best way to have succeeded in changing the way people are forced to live in Qatar is by having FIFA to telling them to bugger off. Hey, you're bidding for the World Cup? <laughs> no chance, toilet pants. Now that would be one way to go. You want to foment world peace, Mr. Infantino? How about not being a part of giving a World Cup to Russia? Ever think about that? Ah, the money's too good. Money's too good, Dave. I get it. It's business, right? That's not the end of the show, though. <laughs> we just did an explanation of a few things going on at the World Cup and didn't mention the fact that France is the, depend is the defending champion. Just wanted to point that out. Never mentioned it. All right, when we come back, we're going to review a documentary that I watched about FIFA where I learned some things that you're going to learn. And then I'm going to give you my pick for the World Cup on the pitch. We'll be right back. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. My name is David Sampson. Today is Friday. Please rate, review, 
subscribe. Tell your friends about us. I tell you to follow me on Twitter at David P. Sampson. Please do that. Okay, I watched a documentary as part of this World Cup show. And the World Cup show is called FIFA Uncovered. It's a four-part documentary on Netflix that talks to someone like me who's been in the industry for a very long time and knew absolutely nothing about FIFA. I remembered when Russia and Qatar got awarded. I remembered when the U.S. got awarded. I just, and I sort of had the name Sepp Blatter in my head, but didn't really understand who he was, didn't know what he looked like, what language he spoke. I just didn't know a lot. Here's a million things I don't know. You can fill up the Grand Canyon with things I don't know. And then the thimble just to my left is what I do know. So what I try to do is move stuff from the canyon to the thimble. The problem is at my age, when I move something into the thimble, that means something has to come out of the thimble. That's how it goes. Limited capacity. Here's the four-episode arc. FIFA is run by people as a fiefdom. Sepp Blatter became the president. His name is Sepp Blatter, became the president. After basically ensuring that he would win because he took it from a man who had been there a long time, who was less than perfect in how he operated. And Sepp was his lieutenant. And they strong arm the voters to make sure they get their way. When I say strong arm, what I mean by that, of course, is they have a very strong arm that they reach into their pockets, they bring out money, and then all of a sudden, poof, there's money going to people who have votes for president. The whole system of election for FIFA is a joke. It's not a democracy. It's a monarchy. It's a dictatorship. So Sepp Blatter becomes president and all of a sudden he is spreading the corruption around. Corruption is sort of like herpes, right? Once you get it, it doesn't go away permanently ever because it can always reappear. And the other problem with corruption, similar to herpes, is boom, it can end up somewhere else. So all of a sudden you touch a little bit of that and then you touch a little bit of this and you had the herpes in your fingers when you touched it, guess what? We've got spread. That's what corruption's like. And that's what FIFA was like. First, you start and you corrupt a little bit in the Caribbean nations. Then you figure out, oh, I can take care of some stuff going on in the African nations. Don't you worry. We're going to get to the Arab nations. Basically, FIFA goes around the world, and this documentary shows you how they go around the world collecting bribes. Everybody, the tip of the top of the top and people below. It is a power-hungry lunatic asylum, the entire FIFA. It should have been disbanded. It should not exist. The fact that we all are going to watch the World Cup with reckless indifference to what FIFA is, what it represents, and the fact that this is in Qatar should embarrass all of us, but we're all going to do it. Raise your hand. Yep, I am. Do I hate FIFA and have they been cleaned up a little bit under Infantino? They're saying yes, I'm saying no. There's no such thing as clean FIFA when you watch this documentary. It doesn't exist. Nobody is clean. 
but they've done exactly what these countries do when they try to do sports washing. They've made it so you love the sport so much that you can separate art from the artist, sport from the criminal. I want to watch my guys play. Do you have guilt over that? I don't have guilt over that. So FIFA Uncovered will go through the process of how Qatar got the bid, how Russia got the bid in 2018, what happened to Sepp Blatter and why he's not the president anymore. And Sepp Blatter is in the documentary. He's interviewed. And when he talks, you want to look at him and you want to say, I sort of feel badly because you're old and you have decided to appear on the documentary. But I would like you to at least one time acknowledge that you belong in jail. I didn't get that. It's the most compelling documentary I've seen. If you think you are a fan of football and understand FIFA, still watch FIFA Uncovered because I assure you that there's more you don't know. Coca just whispered in my ear something very funny. Are you doing that right now, Matt? It's Friday, you could. I think we only have 20 minutes left in the show. He's t he wants to make sure that everybody's very aware when you're watching World Cup that you have to drink 18 and a half gallons of Bud Zero in two hours to ever feel an effect. Now, but Bud Zero has alcohol in it, doesn't it? That's, isn't that Bud Zero as in zero calories? Or is that Bud Zero as in zero alcohol? And if it's Bud Zero Coca has zero alcohol, then it doesn't matter how many gallons you drink. It has zero alcohol. And so the only effect you'd feel of drinking 18 and a half gallons is you'd have a tummy ache. So what's the, why would you want people to drink 18 and a half gallons? Oh, no, it doesn't. Wait, this is breaking news. Coca, I, I, okay, I'll tell, I'll, I'm happy to say that. Apparently zero alcohol doesn't mean zero and zero alcohol has a tiny, tiny, teeny, tiny bit of alcohol in it. Shouldn't we make sure that alcoholics know that, that when they're drinking non-alcoholic beer, that it actually has alcohol in it in case that's a trigger? That's like saying, hey, I'm not smoking anymore, but I'm smoking a candy cigarette, but this candy cigarette made of that sweet tart stuff that we've all had in our lives, there's just a tiny bit of nicotine in there, but shh, you gotta eat a lot of the candy cigarettes to get the full effect of one cigarette. <laughs> I don't think that's true. How can they say it's non-alcoholic? What if you're allergic to alcohol? Don't worry, it's just a teeny tiny bit. And on a side note, if you drink 18 and a half gallons of non-alcoholic anything, you're gonna plot and then have to go to a hospital in Qatar where you better not be part of the LGBTQ community. People are going to be living, by the way. People are going, like fans who actually are going there and not able to drink beer. Some of them are staying on cruise ships or some of them are staying in like shipping containers. The rooming situation is a disaster. All the stuff that you're supposed to do and the infrastructure you're supposed to have, it, they didn't get it done. Not for lack of money, for lack of organization, for lack of time, like 13 years wasn't enough. For crying out loud, you could have built an entire city. I can't, I can't. First game is on Sunday. Guess who's playing in the first game? Amazing. The world power cutter gets the first game on Sunday. Puts a tear in your eye. How about this as a possible protest 
for all the ridiculousness and corruption and crime of FIFA and Qatar? What if we all say we are not watching Sunday's game? Who's playing? Cutter against two, Coca. Ecuador? Is that the first game? I mean, we can all root very hard for Ecuador to win. But I think it'd be way better if we choose not to watch the game at all. I don't think Fox will be happy with that. Okay. World Cup starts Sunday. Do you want to know who I think is going to win? I'm telling you. Here's my pick. I'm going to do an official wait to see. Not a wait to see on whether or not there's going to be arrests. Not a wait to see on whether or not people are going to disappear. Not a wait to see on whether people are going to be miserable with their surroundings or whether people are going to, the stadiums are going to fall apart or whether there's going to be technical glitches or issues. Nah, that's too easy. I'm going to do a wait to see on who's going to actually win the tournament because they're going to play. There's been no repeat in the World Cup since 60 years ago. Guess what? Mbappe. Just say it with me. Mbappe. Francais. France is going to win. I'm all worked up today. excited for France. Did you remember they won it four years ago? Probably not. Can't even tell you who won the NBA Finals four years ago, can you? France is going to repeat for the first time in 60 years. They're not the favorites. Brazil and Argentina are the favorites. I think France will win. All right, I had two wait to sees yesterday. Did you watch the MLB Awards? They're done now. This is the day that we always used as the first day of the next season. This is the end of this season. They did the rookies of the year, the managers of the year, the Cy Youngs, and the MVPs. I gave you eight picks, and I went seven for eight. The only loss is I had Dave Roberts winning manager of the year in the National League, and it was Buck Showalter. I told you Goldschmidt and Judge would win the MVP, and they did. Those wait-to-sees from yesterday were correct. What bothers me the most about what happened yesterday, and I went on HQ, CBS Sports HQ, right after to talk about this, and I got a little bit of pushback. I was not comfortable with the fact that the final vote was 28-2 to two for Judge. He got 28 first-place votes out of 30. Shohei Otani finished fourth in the Cy Young, finished second in the MVP, Somehow, his wins above replacement is still one below Aaron Judge, but I don't give one rat's pituitary gland about wins above replacement. I care about constructing a team. Shohei Otani gives me two positions for the price of one. He is a top-of-the-rotation starter. It's not like he started 15 games. And he's the middle-of-the-rotation bat hitting 35 home runs. It's a unicorn. It doesn't exist. Nobody in history has had a season like that. I'm not saying he should get the MVP every year if he's not a good pitcher or not a good hitter just because he does try both. But if you are superior at both, I'm talking about not just above average, but all-star caliber at two positions, and I don't mean shortstop and second base. Do you not think that a quarterback should get paid more money if they also play free safety? Or a running back who is a linebacker? 
twofers matter. It's like a BOGO. Buy one Otani, get one free. Aaron Judge had a historic season. For all the Yankee fans listening, which is 12.8% of the audience, great. 62 home runs. Broke the record. I'm happy for him. Do you think he's going to be healthy for eight more years and have a year like this ever again? I'm just throwing it out there. People who sign Aaron Judge right now are going to sign him at the high, the absolute high. And Aaron Judge deserves that because on his platform year, on his free agency year, he turned down a long-term extension from the Yankees and said, I'm going to play out the string. And boy, did he play out the string. So instead of getting $213 million, he may get $313 million, which means he had a season worth $100 million. Was his season really worth $100 million? I don't know. The Yankees didn't derive $100 million worth of extra revenue because of Aaron Judge, I promise you that. Um, number two, the Yankees lost in the AL Championship Series, so they didn't generate the revenue there. They did get a lot of excitement when his at-bats were interrupted. He interrupted college football games. That was exciting. That's not revenue to New York. New York was on national game of the week all the time. That's exciting, but they still get one thirtieth of that revenue because all teams split that. The Yankees can be on national TV a thousand times. They still get one thirtieth of the revenue. There's a limit to how many national games the Yankees can have, and that rule only was started because the networks would have the Yankees every day if they could. So I am not poo-pooing Aaron's season. I am asking teams out there to tell me whether you think that is sustainable. And if the answer is yes, pay him. If the answer is no, then you can't pay him based on this year's numbers. One of the great mistakes team presidents make and GMs is when you are forced to pay a player based on the previous year of performance that is not indicative of prior years and likely will not lead to future results. There's no greater example of that than Aaron Judge. He doesn't take steroids. He is not going to be able to be Barry Bonds and do 68, 70, 60, 70, on base at a 490 clip year after year into his late 30s. It's just not gonna happen that way. Will the Dodgers care? Will the Giants care? Do the Mets care? Are they happy to weaken the Yankees while strengthening themselves? But it's National League teams who are looking at him mostly. So weakening the Yankees in the American League, the Astros are going to say, thank you very much. We don't have to sign him. He went to the National League. We'll worry about him later. We'll worry about him in the World Series. There is a whole lot going on with Aaron Judge. It's going to be the story of the offseason, where he signs and what he gets. But I'll tell you what also is going on. His 60-second home run ball is going up for auction. Who wants it? The man who caught it gave it to an auction house, and they gave him an estimate of $2 million. Albert Poole's 700th home run ball, which was just hit this season, went for three hundred and sixty grand. Aaron Judge's 60-second home run. It's not a major league record. It's an American league record. It's not the National League record. Barry Bonds has that. Needles or not, cream or not, he's got the record. Aaron Judge's ball going for $2 million because the auction house said he's a New York Yankee. 
the iconic franchise. They're marketing to you. They're trying to make it so you believe that because he's a Yankee, because he broke Roger Maris's record, whoa, that that ball's worth $2 million. Take the under, folks. We've got a recession. We've got inflation. We've got people on their tuchuses right now. This is not the time for someone to flex in a way where they buy a ball like this for $2 million. Wait to see. Aaron Judge's 60-second home run ball will go for under $2 million. Nothing personal pick of the day. We had a good one for you last night. I felt finally good about a pick. We told you to take the Titans on the money line, that they would beat the Packers. This was obvious. They did beat the Packers by 10. The reason why this was obvious is I spent the last month taking the Packers and watching them and realizing that Aaron Rodgers couldn't give a flying rats, Roger. The team is mediocre. And all the prognosticators and stimulators and simulators who had them winning 11 games as their Vegas over-under, you're done. The under already is a guarantee with the Packers, and here we are in week whatever, 10. It's terrible. But we have the Titans, so we're 129 and 110. A couple of interesting games this weekend for you to keep an eye out if you're not going to watch the World Cup of Qatar playing on Sunday. There's a game of Warriors over the Knicks. A lot's going on with the Warriors. They're six-point favorites over the Knicks. The Knicks have won two in a row on this road trip. And I said to you, there's no way they're beating the Nuggets, and then Jokic didn't play. And so they then beat the Jazz and the Nuggets. Are you telling me there's a, that this Nick team, this Nick team is going to go Jazz, Nuggets, Warriors three in a row? I, it, it, if they do that, I may do next, next week's show backwards. Start at the end, end at the beginning. Warriors six over the Knicks. I, if you really have the bank, take the money line. Steph Curry has been phenomenal. The Warriors have struggled. That line is too low. Saturday. If you live in Miami, you're very aware of what's happening Saturday because the Hurricanes are playing Clemson. Clemson is 19-point favorites over the Miami Hurricanes. The Hurricanes brought in their new coach. There was a lot of excitement. They got rid of Manny Diaz. They felt as though they had this great recruiting class. They had all the NIL money from that guy, Ruiz, who's going to build you a soccer stadium. He's going to build you a football stadium. He's going to build you a baseball stadium. No, I didn't say John Rostin. I didn't say John Madoff. His name is John Ruiz. Okay, make sure you get that straight. Meanwhile, the Miami Hurricanes are mediocre at best. Clemson's only giving 19. Clemson's going to crush them, and people are going to realize that the Miami Hurricanes, they're not even belonging in the same room as Clemson. And then Sunday brings me to the NFL. Raiders plus two and a half over the Broncos. This is the best pick of the weekend. This is my four-star, five-star lock of the weekend because the Broncos, as you know, have a problem. They have a problem with their quarterback. They have a problem with their coach. They have a problem with their play calling. They have a problem with their team. They just don't have a problem with the wealth of their owner. The Raiders have a problem with all sorts of issues, including having lost to the Jeff Saturday coached Indianapolis Colts last week. But what the Raiders have is a quarterback named Derek Carr who is willing to stand up and say to you, we care, we want to do better, we need to do better, we can't handle these results with tears flowing. I love it when players get emotional and sad because it means they want to win. Not many players are like that. Go back and look at the video of what Derek Carr did. If you can Google that, you can GTS that. 
it was something. Here's the general rule of thought. When you've got a player crying after a game, you take them the next game. That's not analytics. That's not going to pass muster with Sportsliner 24-7. But let me tell you, it'll do very well for you with your nothing personal pick of the day. Warriors 6 over the Knicks on Friday. Clemson 19 over the Hurricanes easily on Saturday. And Raiders plus 2.5 over the Denver God Do We Stink Broncos. Okay. So the season is over in baseball because the last award is on. And one of the things that happens is they start this PR campaign as they head towards next season. And next season is a world is a world baseball classic season where Marlins Park is going to host or Lone Depot Park is going to host the finals and the semifinals and another round, which is so cool. So amazing. If you're in Miami, go to those games and you will see what the atmosphere is that I dreamt about that would exist every game and what I hope one day will exist every Marlins game because it's one of the best atmospheres ever. Rob Manford went on a show, and he was asked about Pete Rose. Pete Rose is back in the news. Pete Rose, the, the hit king, right, the guy who's been suspended on the permanently ineligible list for gambling on baseball, we've talked about him on the show. He applied again to Rob Manford saying, please let me back, please. The thing about Pete Rose that we would talk about inside the commissioner's office is that he was a caricature to us. And I spent a lot of time talking about this, not just with the commissioners, but also with Tony Perez, who was his teammate. And I watched games with Tony. And Tony would say things to me like, you know, we tried to help Pete, but he just couldn't help himself. And that's been the narrative around Pete for a very long time, that people love him. They want to love him more. They want him to be eligible for the Hall of Fame. They want him to be able to be celebrated as the great player he was. He represents the type of player that every GM wants when you're building a team. He is, you know, Nick Charlie Hustle, not for nothing, right? He, he it was the complete player. But ever since he was kicked out of baseball, he became this caricature of himself, and it caused him to not be taken seriously. So every time he would write a letter to Bud Selig or to Rob Manfred, they would read the letter, they'd laugh at whoever was in the room, they'd laugh at the letter, then they would formulate some cockamamie response. So Pete Rose does this whole letter saying, Dear Rob, I've apologized so many times for betting on baseball. And I, I'm so disappointing in the way I've disappointed my father and my manager. And it's such a regret that I have that I've let down the fans. Please forgive me. I'm begging you to forgive me. I gave a great suggestion to Rob as to what he could do with Pete Rose. You can make him eligible for the Hall of Fame while still having him suspended from on-field baseball activities. You can't stop him from being in an organization if you reinstate him, but you can stop him from ever putting on a uniform during the course of a game. The Hall of Fame can only consider those players who are on an eligible list. When you are on an ineligible list, you are not considered for the Hall of Fame. If Pete Rose were ever, quote unquote, reinstated, he would then become eligible. But what Rob Manford said is, hey, NMP, it's not my problem. This is a conversation for the Hall of Fame board. Of course, Rob's on the Hall of Fame board. The Hall of Fame board is made up. It's run by team owners. 
The whole purpose of the Hall of Fame board is that MLB controls it. So for Rob to tell you in a PR statement or in an interview, hey, this isn't up to us at MLB. It's up to the Hall of Fame board. That is MLB. They just take off their MLB hat. They put on their Hall of Fame hat and boom, it's the same guys. Go take a look at who's on the board and who controls it. It's absurd. Rob said, it's still my position. It's a conversation that the board will have. He's 82 years old. It's high time that Pete Rose had a chance to see what the writers would say. Rob Manford also had the opportunity to talk about FTX. And he said, listen, if we only had known, we're going to be much more careful who we partner with. But we were careful enough, but didn't work out. All these leagues and all these individuals are running from FTX right now as though they weren't running toward them when they were handing out money like it was Tic Tacs, right, at a, uh, at a smokers convention. And now that it's, that it's gone sour and gone bad, everyone's saying, oh, you know, we had all these processes in place, but we're now going to batten down the hatches. We're going to review all of our processes. We're going to make sure that we never put ourselves in that position again. Really? The next company that throws around tens of hundreds of millions of dollars, you're going to say, oh, what do you do for a living? Oh, I make little things that go right in the pods, right where they go in the place of that time. What, what, what does that mean? Well, I don't know, but would you like $10 million a year? Hell yeah. It's just business. Have a good weekend. See you for episode 700 on Monday. This is nothing personal. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.